Welcome to episode 20 of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. Did you just say 20? It was like weird to say it. It was like, a, I don't know how to explain We're it. We're getting old. We've done 20 episodes already. That's crazy. That's crazy because I feel like we literally just started this the other day, which means I in a, what, a couple more months we'll be at episode 100 Time here. flies when you're having fun. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you're a little too cool for this podcast, though. You guys, Zayna now washes her hair with expensive ass. <laughs> Zayna now washes her hair. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it needs to be celebrated. <laughs> Zayna washes her hair with Balmain. No. How do you guys say it? You know the Kardashian guy or whatever the heck he Balmain, is? Balmain, Balmain. Balmain or Balmain? No. I've no. Never... They're going to think that I'm like some like bougie because you are <laughs> i'm not so i have this really bad habit when i go i just got my haircut and i asked the lady what shampoo she recommends obviously it was some bougie fancy expensive kind and i just can't say no like, i can't I'm say no just either really bad at saying no so i ended up buying don't tell my husband hopefully he's not listening <laughs> like really expensive shampoo but you know what? I feel like every time I do go and get my hair cut, I don't know what the hell they do or what mirrors they use, but I love, love, love my hair. The way that it looks. And then you leave and you're just like, oh, it's okay. I, I don't want to wash my hair after like, I'm done with them. because I It, feel it like, might be the shampoo then. It, I think it is because I'll be honest, you guys, I use Tresemme. I mean, it's not like amazing. Sometimes it flattens You can my use hair. my Balmain shampoo now. <laughs> no, I humble no, myself. Honestly, it was a small bottle too. So I can't imagine what the big bottle costs. And I don't want to imagine because I know it's going to be expensive. But I have to learn to say no. Why can't I say no to the but hairstylist? You know what we do as girls, as women, we do need to treat ourselves because I don't know about you guys, but I don't get my hair cut too often. And then I like, either. I had somebody once tell me like, okay, you guys, I used to get my hair cut at Fantastic Sam's. And if you don't have a Fantastic Sam's in your area, it's more so like the Walmart. Is of, that like a hair cuttery? Yes. It's oh. like the Walmart of hair cutteries. And I'm a very simple person. I used to think like, hold on, like all I need is a trim. Why is it a big deal? Why do I have to get like such an expensive cut? But then somebody told me, like, how often do you get your hair cut? I was like, only once a year. They're like, so you can't literally spend $60 to go to a real, like, real salon, like a high-end salon that knows how to cut your hair to, like, you know, match your face yeah. and all that. And, well, I've done that ever since. And I do only get it once a year. Right, because, so. like, the last time I got a haircut, the way that she did it, I did not like at all. She used, like, the razor blade. I don't know if you... It was, like, a I razor. That. And so when my hair grew out, it started, like, flaring at the end. So I'm like, no, I got to fix this now. Like, yeah. it was really bad. So I, I do recommend just going to, like, just, you know, if you go once a year, go to the expensive salon, spend that 60 bucks, and just get a really, really nice cut. Yeah. And I've never been disappointed. I don't know if you guys want to be on Zayna's level. Don't and be on spend... my level, because I'm not even on my level. <laughs> How are you? Not on your own level, but it's crazy. <laughs> but I do need a haircut, so I'm probably going to just do that. It takes one person to get a haircut that I know that will, like, really yeah. push me. So, like, I didn't cut that much. No, it's but no, it looks super healthy. But I love the salon feeling like a new woman. I'm yeah. like, yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly so i did just come back from miami and you look tan and like glowing no and okay now you're lying girl no well you glowing. look like tan and glowing well you do i wish i was more tan because it's like so zena's mom literally told me bring a sun hat bring some spf make sure you My understand mom is like the typical mom but she was she was being so honest because you guys the first day i'm not gonna lie i was not that excited because i don't like sweating and i hate sweating and i think it's disgusting and i was like literally like just i was so hot like very very hot because 90 degrees in florida is obviously completely different than 90 degrees in chicago it was two different ballparks going to florida in the summer is the worst time everyone plans their trips to florida in the summer and it's you it's terrible no it's terrible but my sisters and i then finally started enjoying it like the second third day we got used to it like i was like oh okay i'm not like sweating anymore yeah. i'm not drenched in like all the sweat and it was i really really enjoyed it and it was i don't know it was like 
nice to finally go on a vacation that's different than normal because I always go to California. I've never yeah. been to Miami, and I honestly loved it. It reminded me of the bled for some weird... Really? Because it was like... It felt like Ramallah because where we stayed, it was like everybody oh, was out and about and, till yeah. late at night. Then there's the palm trees and everything. I, I loved it. So I was like, to my sisters, I'm like, I kind of miss it. I kind of wow. want to go back even though I was so against going to Miami. Miami's awesome, but um, I just want to take a, a time to talk about how... You would make fun of me in the winter about me being way too cold. And then now you're complaining about being too hot. So I feel like I have all the right to talk shit about you right now. You do. Because you guys, Zane, now I understand because like for us Chicagoans, like winter is a breeze. Like legit, it's nothing. And I remember when Zane was complaining, I'm like, this girl's like crying over like 30 degrees. I literally was crying in my car. And then now here I was in her state, in her home state. And I was crying over like sweating all the sweat. Oh, God. I was so annoyed. I'd rather cry over cold than cry over heat and i don't know no actually i met a lot of people since moving here who'd rather deal with negative 30 than deal with like 90 degree florida weather and i think they're crazy that's that's totally true for real that's that's really crazy so let's get into our guest because i really loved her and i've been wanting her to come on because even though i don't wear the hijab i used to come across her youtube videos back in the day you want to introduce her yes it's yasmin kanad better known as yaz the spaz she was born and raised in miami talk about miami 305 um she's a daughter of a cuban mother and a turkish father she is known for her modest fashion and hijab styles and she actually got her start on youtube back in 2009 she's now raising two beautiful children with her egyptian uh, her egyptian husband um and she's doing it in such a blended blended diverse family. I fun love it. creative i i really do love it and she was positive throughout it all and she taught us so much about the truth behind marriage and how the truth behind an instagram picture yeah that too yeah. because she was very very honest about how she met her husband she didn't sugarcoat it like there was no like beautiful love story or yeah. like perfect love story because it's still a beautiful story and i i really enjoyed how honest she was when it came to that and the fact of like their arguments do still ensue after you get married. Oh, absolutely. It's not perfect, and it's never going to be perfect, and you're still going to argue with your spouse, but it depends on how much do you love them and how much are you willing to stick it out and how much are you willing to compromise Yeah, and we talk about, like, intercultural relationships and, you know, getting married to someone who comes from a completely different background than you. We talk about um, the shift in modest fashion. We talk about her struggles with uh, PCOS. Yeah, because... She yeah she yeah. she was pretty open about having infertility issues and I never I mean I learned about PCOS briefly when we had our other infertility episode but she really does talk about it because this is something that she has experienced right. but alhamdulillah now she has two beautiful children but she does talk to us about that as I well I just yeah I gotta commend her on being so open and honest and raw with everything that she's gone through and yeah I just it's awesome to meet someone who's so like just like this is just how it is yeah you're totally right Zaina um before we dive into our episode let's jump into our unfiltered advice segment yes what is this week's submission we had a lot um next uh last week so inshallah we're gonna keep going on with this so if yours is not answered this week trust me it's gonna be answered in the upcoming week so again thank you so much for all of your submissions um it's very interesting to read through all these and this one is really interesting because I feel like she's not the only one who goes through this yeah so the question is dear Zaina and Dunya I just found out my male coworker is getting paid more than me. We have the same position and started working for the company at the same time. I'm not, not sure what to do in terms of approaching my boss. This one's very tough because I kind of went through that. Like when I was younger, I knew for a fact my male coworkers were getting paid more than me, but I never said anything. But now as an adult and in my career, like my actual career, I one of my coworkers kind of not slipped. He was pretty open about it. And he's like, oh, I get paid this and this and that. And I'm like, 
what the hell? I'm like, you started way after me. Like, how do you get paid a little bit more than me? That doesn't make sense. It's so unfair, especially when I feel like I put way more, much work into what I do than he does. So did you approach your boss? Did you say anything? It was uncomfortable, to be honest, because I don't think it really solved anything because I, I went and I told my boss and I told them like, hey, I... I look it was even it was like kind of perfect timing because it was around reviews and this is when they tell you like if you're gonna get a raise or whatever and I did alhamdulillah but at the same time it, it like I expected it to be a little bit more especially knowing that this person's getting paid this much but my boss basically told me with like how do you know that that's a fact how do you know that they're not flaunting and I'm like I don't know just like I know this person I know they were they're not gonna lie and but your a, boss has access to see and check that oh right? no the the boss does but he, they're basically saying how do you know that that person's telling oh, the okay. truth so they're trying to play it off so I didn't get anywhere really with it but I just I then kind of like shifted the conversation and I expressed like, like my disappointment and I felt like I've been here for many many years and I think I deserve a little bit more you know it's sad because I actually just read when I saw that this question was one that came in one I thought of uh, Kat Sadler from E! News. Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember so her. So she, it was like a few years ago. I think it was like 2015, 2016. Something around there. She found out her male coworker, I forgot his name, the guy on E! News. Jason? Not, Jason Kennedy, I think it yes, is. Yes, Kennedy, yeah. Yes. He was getting paid more than her. They actually, um, I think they started around the same time as well. And she uh, found out he was making more, went into her boss's office, said, hey, I need to get paid this, this, and that. They disagreed. They said no. She walked out. I really commend her because you guys, when she did this, it wasn't the trendy thing to do. To no. for e I mean, equal pay was always around. The, the need for equal pay was always around. But now I feel like more people are talking about it much more often. But she did it when it wasn't the cool right. thing to and, do. And I understand not everyone can just pick up and leave. And she was financially stable. She had that opportunity to just like leave her job. But when she did it, I think a few months later, a month later, the Time's Up movement happened. So it kind of snowballed. And I feel like now people are paying more attention to like equal pay. And, you know, we have, um, not to get off topic, but we had the U.S. women's soccer team that was getting paid so much less than, you know, the men's soccer paying. team. Yeah, yeah, so they were, so it's like, People are talking about it now, and I think it's awesome that we're acknowledging it and saying, hey, like, this is not cool. And the fact, Dunya, that you went into your boss's office and said, hey, this is not cool, that's a step up. And I feel like you just have to keep making the... Because we're not going to It was progress. uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. It was very uncomfortable, but you sometimes have to... Stand up for yourself. Stand up for yourself. You really do, because if you're going to stay silent, nothing's going to happen. But now I, now I think I put it on their radar that, hey, I know I could be getting paid yeah, more. So and I think in Illinois, every woman gets paid 79 cents on the dollar for every every dollar that the man makes that's which so is disappointing it's so disappointed and that's that was a lot that's of money just lost. in illinois yeah and illinois is a progressive state so imagine other states that aren't as progressive so i feel like you have to do what's right for you you have to stand up they're not going to fire you for saying hey i found out bob is getting paid more than me they're not going to say like hey you got to pack up your things and leave you have to stand up for yourself yeah so i think definitely definitely yeah like i said it's very uncomfortable it was not a very fun moment but at the same time it was a very constructive conversation because at the end of the day i expressed my concerns expressed my disappointments and i said where i wanted to be and sometimes if you you can just get the gist of your company and if they're not gonna ever kind of budge maybe it's time for you to move start on start looking yeah. and start looking and ask for what you believe that you should get paid for or for the work that you do because i'm sure you know your worth you know how good you are at your job especially if like you're putting in the extra work you're putting in the extra time you know that you're good at what you do 
and you know that you deserve to be paid more negotiate please negotiate when you guys get a new job don't get so overly excited that you skip over like the getting the, oh, see, the salary part yeah i didn't so okay a lot of people think like oh, i'm just lucky to have this job and yeah. a lot of companies think like oh well, she's lucky that we even hired her because there's a million other people in line but like you're not you're not disposable you're not irreplaceable you are who you are and your talents are special and unique so like acknowledge that so yeah. definitely negotiate what i like to do also because when it comes to reviews and you having to have that conversation about your salary and your pay raise and whatnot over the year like i like to save out emails like any email that comes from like a manager or another employee like um co-worker that commends you for a project that you worked on that you did good on or anything like that save those emails because then you could show your proof of all the accomplishments that you have done thus far when it comes to your review so don't overlook those things any small email any small gesture any project that you've worked on write it all down you guys right every single thing down because when it comes to that moment your mind kind of goes blank and you forget what you did throughout the entire year and then sometimes the years kind of mesh together so you don't know if what you worked on what year and everything so definitely write down your accomplishments make sure um cc your manager sometimes on the emails that you obviously you know that somebody's commending you let them know let it be known because again like you said zana you're not going to get fired for asking to get paid more especially when you deserve it and you have the backup to prove it right so don't absolutely. just go into the office saying i deserve this they're going to ask you why do you deserve this how are you going above and beyond your actual job description that's what they're going to look for don't let big corporations take advantage of you yeah because like i said you are unique you are special your talents that you bring no one else can bring with your perspective so they're lucky to have you mm -hmm. so don't let especially the fact that it's like male versus female it's in 2019 is ridiculous just let's help stop that cycle absolutely so before we dive into this amazing episode with Yaz the spaz that we talk about so many different things we want to announce the giveaway winner for leah vernon's debut novel which is very very good you guys because i really did i read it from front to back and i really enjoyed it because she really goes in on her divorce and her mental health and her body image and i think we all have body image issues especially in today's day and age where everything's posted on instagram and you want to be that perfect you know, model and whatnot. But the winner for this book is Marjona. It's actually underscore Marjona underscore. So I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, but you are the winner. So if you can just slide into our DMs and we could tell you um, what to do next. Awesome. You're so lucky. Like we said, this book is like completely unsweetened and unfiltered. Make sure you guys listen to Leo's episode as well. It's episode 18. It was very, very good. Um, she really is very authentic very genuine she has a lot to say about all of her endeavors and everything that she has gone through thus far since she was a child up until now she's an adult living in new york on her own so let's dive into this week's episode let's do it Before we dive into today's episode, we would love to shout out our sponsor, which is FabFitFun. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box. Guys, you're getting $200 worth of products for only $49.99. Basically, many of the products cost more than the entire box itself, which is crazy, honestly. And you're getting things in beauty, lifestyle, fitness, home, and wellness. So it covers like an entire spectrum of your life. Can I say that I love my Kate Spade uh, lunchbox that I use every day now? What I like about it is you're getting like full-size products so you're getting like the entire experience of like what that product really is because i feel like most products take time for you to start noticing a difference so um miss me with the samples i really want the full size let me 
really indulge in this. I love it because you guys, self-care is self-love and that's how much we want to try to promote it because it's all around wellness. Yeah, and another great point of this uh, of this subscription box is that you can customize it. So you're getting products that they know you're going to like. Basically, you feel like it's your birthday four times a year, yes. don't you? It's just like a surprise, like, oh, hey, it's fall and then you receive your fall box. I absolutely, truly and love it. And it's like a little surprise in the mail. Like, yeah, you know it's coming, but then it comes and you're like, oh, shoot, these products are incredible. And you know our podcast is all about supporting women. So what I love about Fat Fit Fun is they try to get all these products from mostly female-founded companies. And so many of the products are from female-founded companies. And each season, Fat Fit Fun actually partners with a nonprofit to raise funds and awareness. So not only are you treating yourself, but you're also helping others. That's incredible. I did not know that. But what I also really love about this subscription box is that every season, I'm discovering products that I end up falling in love with. My vanity right now is full of products that I've stumbled upon because of Fat Fit Fun. So as a reminder, it is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. But I think we can sweeten it up a little bit more, Zena, don't you think? I believe so. If you use the coupon code UNSWEETEN, fully spelled out, you get $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. So I definitely think, ladies, it's time for you to treat yourself, get this seasonal box, a little surprise at the door. And like Zena said, you get a coupon code that is unsweetened, fully spelled out, $10 off, and you can go and get your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. And please share your photos with us. We can't wait to see it. So Yasmin, it's been almost 10 years since you started your blogging journey. And I think of you as like the OG hijabi influencer. Um, and I believe the reason that so many people like related to you is because you come from such a blended background. Can you give us some information about like your parents and just who you are? Okay, okay. So well, for those of you who don't know, well, first off, assalamu alaikum. I'm so happy to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so yeah, so first off, my mother is Cuban, and my dad's Turkish. And I was born in Miami. So that being said, my parents both met in Miami. They were both in Miami, they had a mutual friend who knew them both. And one day, my mom was like, Oh, to my mother, if you want to go clubbing or whatever. And my mom, um, I think at that point had already become learning about Islam and she had become Muslim. Uh, she became Muslim 10 years before she met my dad. So at wow. this point she was, yeah, at this point she was already Muslim. I don't know how far back you want me to go. <laughs> I mean, that's, um, but how did she even, do you even know the story of why she became Muslim? Why she was intrigued by the idea of Islam? So she had some friends from Saudi Arabia and from Syria who were her really good friends and they taught her about Islam and she just continued to learn with them and she just fell in love with them. She always had questions for her own religion, like she was Catholic, um, that the priest could not answer for her or she didn't know why she had to confess to the priest or like why couldn't she just talk directly to God and, and she just wanted to find a religion where she was comfortable with herself and it wasn't based on like looks and everything like there was a story she would tell me that my grandmother uh pretty much told my mom like oh but you're not gonna be able to wear bikinis anymore at the beach your skin was so beautiful and tan and all this stuff and mom, my mom was like really mama like that's that's what you're concerned about like me not being able to wear short dresses and 
show off my body like that. Like if anything, you should be more proud of me for like covering up and all this stuff. So, um, my grandfather, it was pretty easy with him, um, to tell him and everything and for him to adjust. But for my grandmother, she was like, I guess a very devout Catholic. So, uh, it was just more difficult for her. Wow. So she found our religion through friends. See how like the importance of friends and like trying surrounding yourself with the right people yeah not pressuring them to switch over to islam but just even speaking beautifully of our religion look how it can impact that one person you know what i mean and she was able to find all the answers in the quran like whoever was not able to answer her questions through the church she was able to answer get the answers through the quran god has blessed her in so many ways and she's you know, she's honestly, I, I mean, it's funny because my dad's Turkish and, you know, he was born Muslim, but my mother is the more religious one. So like we learned a lot of our like religion from her. No offense to my father. You know, I love him so much. He's taught us about education and working hard and studying. Everything's about study, education, education. Um, but my mother really instilled in us about the religion, covering and our actions. And well, actually, no, both of them were on actions and behavior and, and manners, but mostly Islamically it was my mom. That's what it is. So when you find it yourself, I feel like you have a different kind of connection. Like it's like you chose this being born into the religion. It's like we learn it. But I feel like when you convert or you revert, it's you have that special connection. Like I chose this, this is what I'm, you know, I don't know. If that Beautiful spiritual journey. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, it's a strong connection. That's why I think she like you said, like your father obviously raised you guys right. But it's your mom that really was like, pushing not pushing the religion on you but really teaching you the beauty because of islam it because islam is all we know as you know kids who've been born yes. into the religion but we like have nothing to compare it to yeah that's true absolutely exactly. and like for example like god forbid we were to ever wear a costume for halloween she's like i left that religion like don't you dare try to like go back to like you know what i'm saying like i worked so hard to like become muslim like i'm not gonna have you guys like celebrating all these like non-muslim holidays, holidays. You know? wow, wow. That's yeah. So, yeah she didn't want you guys to experiment Hollis, she wanted no. you as muslim and there, there's nothing wrong with it it's not like she's oppressing you guys or like oh, absolutely not sheltering she brought you. us yes <laughs> exactly because our holidays are fun on their own you know right. age and everything like absolutely. that and you grow out of it. I mean, if you want free candy and you go around the block, <laughs> like, why not? She's like, I'll buy you candy. <laughs> yes, exactly. So where were you placed in all of this? I mean, you're growing up in such a blended family where your mom is Cuban and your dad is Turkish. Like, how did you grow up, I guess, in this household? First off, I have an older brother and an older sister. So it was all three of us growing up in the house. And uh, Alhamdulillah, like, it was, it was a great balance. Like, for example, in terms of, different countries. Like I've never been to Cuba as of yet. My mother and my my brother has, um, they both have, but I haven't. So every summer we would go to Turkey, we'd have a summer house there and it was amazing. So like we got to be with our Turkish family. So cultural wise, we were way more involved with the Turkish culture, but personality wise, it was definitely definitely more Cuban. Like I'm personally, I'm more of a Cuban than I am a Turk, you know, <laughs> but in terms of like, like Turkish people are just, they've got, uh, they're very good with service. They're very good. Um, they're more soft-spoken and all that stuff. So, um, I, I have a little bit of both, but personality wise, I think I'm more outgoing, like, you know, with my, like my mom's personality. <laughs> Is there a reason why you haven't gone like to Cuba yet? Does your mom visit often or... So she has some family in Cuba, but she has not, uh, she recently went, but honestly, if I go, I want to go with her because I don't want to just go to Havana where, you know, like everybody's at, I want to be able to see Cuba for really what it is. So, um, and honestly, having the two kids, I just have not had the opportunity to go and I'm not ready to go with the two kids yet. Yeah. Just let them grow up just a little <laughs> bit more. 
How's your mom with her? Like, did they accept the fact that she converted to Islam? I know her mom was a little bit iffy about it, but her dad was. What about extended family? Like, were they accepting of the fact that she converted? I mean, are they welcoming of her when she does go back to Cuba? I think everybody's okay with it. Um, she does have some cousins and no, my, they, they love her. Like, it's a matter of how you represent yourself and um, you're respectful, you're kind, you're giving. And, you know, what bad do they have to say just because... Eres musulmana, you know what I'm saying? Because you're Muslim, like, it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you call your God at the end of the day. You know, you call him God, you call him Allah, it's the same. I want to talk about your married life, because not only are you Turkish and Cuban, but you got married to an Egyptian. So that's like adding a whole nother, like, culture and background <laughs> into the mix. How is, like, blending those two different cultures together and getting married, how has that been? But wait, like, like, how did you even find your husband? Like, when did you even decide to get married? Because I feel like that's also, like, an interesting right. thing in itself. So growing up, I was never one to be like, you know, oh, I like this guy, I like this guy. Like, I've never, you know, like, girls in general, they're they like crazy right yeah <laughs> so um growing up I just I was never like that I was always just more mature for my age and I was in middle school I was in high school and all these boys were just like um I'm like ew like no they're too little like no no thank you <laughs> you know so um I, and that's also another way because of my my mom the way she raised us she raised us to have lots of you know like confidence <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <Not too> much. <laughs> she raised us, you know, with lots of value to ourselves. Let's put it that way. So um, these guys were just not on my, uh, not on my level. And I'm saying that because at the time I might have been a little bit, you know, I'm more humble now for sure. Ever since I married my husband. The thing is, like, I think that's such a great trait to have to have such a strong woman in your life, which is your mom, who taught you to value yourself to be confident and not give in to these little boys in high school oh, because yeah. like that you don't need the fact that like a, for a boy to tell you you're pretty to feel confident yeah you know, because a lot of a lot of people have regrets like but god i wish i didn't talk to these people i didn't end up marrying them they were wasting my time like you didn't have your time wasted because at that point you were trying to figure yourself out i suppose absolutely yeah like i just why would i waste my time with somebody who's not going to be serious with me you know like i valued myself way too much to be able to like they weren't worthy of me. Let's put it that way. In my mind, they were not worthy of me. I know that sounds, I don't know, that sounds so horrible, no, right? Like Girl, it's <laughs> but, not you know, vain. As women, you have to value yourselves, you know? So when I met my husband, it was not your usual love story. Uh, one day, one of our Egyptian friends, Yasmin Hussein, I don't know if you know her. I do, yes, I do. You know her? <laughs> yeah, wow. I do. <laughs> Everyone in South Florida is connected. Yeah, so she was pretty involved. So Yasmin Hussein brought us from because you were from Miami. So she took us to the Pompano Mosque. That's my mosque. Yes. Yeah, so she took us mosque. there when yeah. <laughs> so she she took us to that mosque one eat, and it was my sister and I, and nobody had ever seen, oh, who are these two Turkish girls? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but my sister is the more petite one. So there was this one guy specifically who noticed my sister and who um wanted to get to know her. Didn't work out, but that guy happened to be my husband's best friend. So let's say we all went out together one day and um, this guy, Ziad, <laughs> which is my husband, uh, at the time would be there and I'd tell my sister, oh my God, why the heck did he bring him here? Like how annoying, like he's so annoying. <laughs> so you were annoyed initially of your husband? Oh my God, I did not like at all. God, my mom, the first time she saw my husband, like she saw Ziad, she's like, wow, who's that tall guy? He's so handsome, blah, blah, blah. And in my mind, I'm like, I didn't even see who you were talking about. Like he did not capture my eyes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so every girl that's listening, whoever, whatever guy that's in your DMs, that's annoying you, he might be the love of your life. <laughs> he might 
be the one. Yeah, no, yeah. honestly. Trust your mama, right? Mommy's the first one who saw him. It's crazy. So after that, um, and he'd say the same exact thing, like when my sister would bring me along, because obviously she's not going to go alone. So uh, we just didn't like each other. One day on my birthday, we had a big dinner and, you know, everybody came. Z my balloons had flown to the roof of uh, Cheesecake Factory and uh, Ziad was the only one brave enough to, to step on the table and grab my balloons. <laughs> That was like, oh, that's so nice. But that's not the point where I where it turned. That was just a nice thing. That was the first thing. So then another Eid, we were in, I think a year later, we were at the masjid and everybody was talking. And all of a sudden, we were the only two not talking. <laughs> so we had our first conversation at the masjid. So uh, he ended up being a me uh, studying mechanical engineering at FAU. And uh, we had a, little, a lot more things in common. And... Um, Started talking, and then one of the first things I had told him, I said, you know, if you're if you're serious with me, because again, I'm the type that I don't, don't waste my time. I need you to talk to my dad. So that was a big thing for him, because to my husband, who was like this young guy who had his life, whether his parents knew it or not, you know what I'm saying, had to come ask for a hand. He's never really, I don't think he had ever done that before. So he went to talk to my dad, and um, it was a big step for him. And alhamdulillah, he was happy, but. Six months later, he broke up with me. <laughs> so, what? Oh my God. I, I love this story. Just okay. like up and down, up and down. <laughs> You're taking us on a roller coaster ride. I know. So I'm he came so in. Sorry. Wow. And then how old were you guys when you guys met? Like, were you guys really young? Is that the reason why it was? We were uh, very young. Yeah. Well, I was 20, 20 when we met him, 21, very young. And he was two years older than me. So, so we broke up uh, and I, you know, he was supposed to call me the next day. He never called me, but apparently my mom, who always has my back, sent him this like really this message that said like, don't you ever contact my daughter again? Cause she knew I was sad and I was crying. Like he left me. Yeah. That's like, well, did he have a reason? What was the reason? Because uh, it was such a dumb reason. Honestly, we were just young. Our ego, our prides were high. Our ego was high. Like I wanted him to, like he was supposed, he had final exams and I had uh, a fashion show that I wanted him to walk in with me. You know what I'm saying? So this was at Nova Southeastern University and he never showed up and he told me 10 minutes or an hour before that he couldn't come. And I was just so disappointed. And again, he had a final exam. So like, again, we were still young. And so I was just pissed. I didn't talk to him. And he told him amongst him and his friends, he's like, if she doesn't call me by such and such time, it's done. So I never called him because I'm like, no, you ditched me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't call. So he called me and he's like, okay, well, so it's over. And I was just like, Okay, that's fine. I mean, that's us <laughs> girls. We always want to show we're strong. Oh, that doesn't bother me. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> so then how did you guys get back together after that? whole year went by. We did not say a word to each other. I think we saw each other once during maybe Eid prayer. And we literally just looked at each other and just kept walking. Like, I'm telling you, like, our prides were very high. So uh, we didn't talk to him for a whole year. And then he started after a whole year, he started reaching out to me again. And because my mom had sent him that message to not contact me again, or I'm going to tell her father, I still never had my closure. So I was still hurting. Like, I was still pissed inside, you know, like he never contacted me. Where in his defense, he's like, I didn't have text messaging at the time. So yeah. I couldn't tell your mom anything back he started contacting me back I was like no um no I'm sorry it was, it's just not gonna work like don't even try and at the time I was going to I had just graduated college 
uh, university and I wanted to go to Turkey for four months uh, to learn Turkish. So I told my husband, no, like I'm not going to be like tied down here with somebody I'm not even in love with. I just wasn't feeling it, you know? So um, he tried con keeping contact, uh, contact with me while I was in Turkey. I ended up sending him this like not so nice message saying, you know, like, we're just not compatible. You're just not really what I want. But he, he, he made a promise to my sister, to all his friends that he will never get back with me again or try again. And I said the same thing, like, it's just forget, just drop it. It's just not going to happen. So when I, four months later, when I returned back from Turkey, um, I just, I don't know, just something was in me and I just felt horrible that I had sent him that message. Um, so I contacted him. I said, you know, can we just please, you know, just meet up just for coffee or something? You know, I just want to just say sorry. That's all. He was really resilient and he didn't want to do it, but uh, I'm glad he did. And literally from that moment on, we just kept talking. And a couple months later, uh, one of our friends was like, you know, if you really want to know if it's real, do a stichada. So that was a scary move because after all we had been through, it was a, this was a four year span, by the way. After all that we had been through, um, he we did a stakhara and alhamdulillah, we had, we had, I know it's so cliche, but we had some positive dreams. We had very similar dreams, but we couldn't see the face of whoever we were hugging, let's say. I know it's really crazy. And the next day, his dad, who was very much against us getting engaged before my husband finished school, said, okay, well, we'll announce to our friends that you guys are to be engaged. So to us, that was a big deal. And uh, we got married in May of May 11th, 2013. I believe in Salat al-Istikhara so much. Like, I do it for everything. And I think it's awesome that, like, yeah, you didn't have, like, the fairy tale relationship. I feel like nowadays, girls, if they don't, if they see, like, a little roadblock, a little, like, you know, hiccup in the road or whatever it's called, they're, like, out. They're, like, peace out. This is not the fairy tale. This is not, like, what I saw in Disney movies. I love that you guys, like, stuck it out. And, like, and it happened. But, alhamdulillah, it happened. I mean, subhanAllah, like, honestly, it's true. Naseeb is Naseeb. Like, you guys weren't in, into each other from the beginning. Then you guys kind of started talking. Then it broke up. And it's, like, Allah, yeah. no matter what, was, like, you two are going to be together whether you, <laughs> whether like you like it or not. <laughs> whether you like it or not, that's it. And when we're together, it's either we're, like, like fireballs, you know, because he's a Taurus, I'm an Aries, you know, just two strong signs or we're just the best. So we know because we had been through so much, we're like, let's just let's just be good to each other. And any fight, like if we had a fight in early on in our marriage, you know, he'd be like, we're, we have to get through this. Like divorce is not even an option. So I'm I'm just glad just mean that you're being very honest, because again, like Zana, like you mm -hmm. said, everybody showcases the thousands of presents that her husband gets her or the vacations. But you guys, it's not it's not like that. And every marriage has those early fights. Like the first few years of marriage, they're tough. Like you're living with someone that you've never lived with. You have to mesh your lives together. Like it's not easy. And Instagram has like this completely different view on like, you know, everyone is like, like you were saying, like the presents and the vacations and the big diamond ring. It's like, that's not really what's going on. Like, don't look at that girls. It's not real life. You know, if you get it here and then, alhamdulillah, be thankful for it. But on a daily day life, you know, it's, just, it's, you got to work on it. You know, you got to persevere. What differences do you guys have? The simple fact that, you know, you're Cuban and Turkish and he's Egyptian because this is a lot of traditions and cultures being mixed in one household. Like, are there any things that you guys have like pushed back towards each other? Like even your wedding, just that a huge event. I think some people like really fear their daughters or their sons marrying outside of the culture because of the wedding. Like sometimes like, oh no, like the wedding, we do it this way. They do it that way. We don't like that. Like how did your life just in general go planning um, the fact that you guys are coming from different cultures? 
So uh, the wedding itself, I mean, my mom had full control of because she planned and did my whole wedding. So nobody had say except my mom and I. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And I would give my mom all control of that because she's an amazing party planner, mashallah. So um, thank God. Like if it was my husband planning the wedding, it probably would not have been as nice. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Actually, no, he wanted us to get married in Egypt. But I was just like, no, because like I know for a fact I wasn't going to have too many of my side there, too many people from my side. So even though I'm sure it would have been a gorgeous wedding, you know, they they get some really fancy weddings in Egypt, but no, I couldn't, I couldn't think that I'd have just like maybe what, six people on my side or something. So uh, we ended up having the wedding here in, uh, in Davie, in Dina Shahada's uh, yeah, yeah. clubhouse. The yeah. clubhouse, like that's where everyone has their events. That's a beautiful clubhouse. It was transformed. It was fabulous, mashallah. You know, but um, in terms of mixing all these cultures, uh, I think the only issue there really was, was the fact that I didn't speak Arabic. And this was coming from his dad specifically. Um, and he pretty much wanted me to like learn Arabic the first three months of my marriage. And it wasn't going to happen. Even now, like he'll sometimes say like, oh, you know, wow, you're like, like I'll speak more. But I just I, I'll speak more to people that I'm comfortable with. For example, my children, my husband, like my father-in-law, I know he's like listening and I know he wants me to talk Arabic all the time. So I feel like, I don't know, it's just more pressure on me. But I do know a lot of Arabic at this moment. So I have learned a lot with my Egyptian Arabic, with my son and my husband, because I told my husband, make sure you only speak to the kids in Arabic because I want them to learn Arabic. They're going to learn. They know English already from me. And I'm already teaching them some Spanish, so incorporate it all. Not Turkish, but, you know. Do you speak Turkish? So I can speak Turkish, but, like, it's definitely not fluent at all. Uh, and especially, yeah, if I were to go back to Turkey and be there for a couple months, I'd pick it up and be fine. But because literally where I live, there's, like, nobody... The only person I talk Turkish to is my dad. And that's just, you know, general conversation or my grandparent, my grandmother. So um, besides that, honestly, I don't speak Turkish. Like the only thing I'll tell my children in Turkish is pufayak. Like you smell their pufayak, like dirty feet, dirty feet. <laughs> did, you, did you feel a little bit left out when you first got introduced to your husband's family, knowing that, yes, they speak Arabic and you don't? And do they only speak Arabic or are his parents like they can speak English too? Because like for my mom, for instance, like she doesn't really speak English that well. So she would want her son-in-law to speak Arabi so she can actually have a relationship with them and communicate yeah absolutely that's a great question so when I first got married uh, oh yeah like they would always like my father-in-law made it a point to only speak Arabic and I'm glad he did because honestly like it helped me in the beginning I was just like it didn't bother me because I was in my own mind anyway like I they'd ask me a question I'd be like what what was that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? um, but uh, at this moment, I'm very happy that he, till this day, will say, oh, no, 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 why are you guys talking in English? Talk Arabic. Like, he'll still say that, you know, just so that I can, I'm the only one that doesn't speak fluent Arabic in the house, like when we're having dinner as a whole family. So, but I mean, I'll still respond in English. And whenever I can talk in Arabic, like I'll do it just, you know, so I can make him happy and stuff like that. So, you know, you just want to please your in-laws, really. And my, my mother-in-law is a sweetheart. She's never made me feel uncomfortable at all. And uh, honestly, I'm, I'm very blessed. Alhamdulillah, like to have a great family. Like they're all amazing. That's interesting, though, because even like my my husband's family, they all speak like fluent Arabic and my Arabic is conversational. So sometimes I do feel whatever, like, oh, like I need to. It's kind of like encouraged me to learn more. It's just funny because even Arab girls don't really speak the language fluently to expect the Turkish, you know, someone who's Turkish and Cuban to speak it perfectly is kind of. 
tough. We put too it's much so pressure. That's too much pressure. Too much pressure. And it's, it's just not nice, you know? I do love that you're like teaching your kids all different languages and like they're seeing like a a piece of each it's not just like one-sided like you know you're getting a little piece of each I think that's really beautiful what about tradition wise like do you guys have any traditions that you guys have to kind of blend together because again like he's Egyptian and you're Turkish I feel like there's just so much differences between our traditions even Palestinians like you know what I mean so the good thing with marrying my husband is that he's just very non-cultural. Uh, yes, he has his own ways that he was raised with, but like cultural-wise, like he really, they really didn't do much, you know? Like for example, for Eid, I want to be able to bring Eid to the house and to have a huge celebration so that the kids know that this is their holiday and I want to make it. So for him, this is like, oh my, oh, I'm so thankful that I have my wife who does this because I never, he never grew up with it. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's just something that I want to, incorporate. So I'm just trying to make my own traditions. And my mother obviously instilled so much in us. And I'm just trying to like, she always, one thing that my mother always did was try to bring the fun towards us. So like we never craved, oh, all our friends are going to the club, let's say, you know, we didn't have friends that went to the club, but I'm sure we knew people that went to the club. So like, oh, they're all going clubbing or to all these parties, or they're sleeping over their friend's house. So we, what my mother and what she would do is have a huge party in the house, hire a belly dancer, all girls. We dress with whatever we want to dress, and it would be so much fun. Oh, that and is I'm, so much fun. Because you don't feel like you're yeah. missing out. That's awesome. Yeah, so we never felt like we needed to find fun outside because my mother always brought the fun in. Like all my friends, you know, when we were growing up would talk to my mom because my mom would be the most open. She'd be the most understanding because she's come from both, you know, from the Cuban culture, um, not being non-Muslim and then to being Muslim so she can relate with them more. And because, you know, there's some parents that are just, you can't even talk to because they'll just cut you off, you know, or they don't want to hear what you want to hear. And my mother was just always open to, you know, hearing all their problems, whether how embarrassing it might be. Like they would always be comfortable talking to my mom. And Michelle, like you guys didn't feel like you ever had to rebel or anything. I mean, the reason why we'll get into it a little bit later, but the reason why you wore hijab was because your mother influenced you to wear hijab. So she had a very positive influence on you guys while also trying to raise you Muslim in the right way, but making it fun because our religion isn't like black and white. It's not haram or halal. There's a lot of like ways that you can make our religion very beautiful because it is a beautiful religion, to be honest. So in regards to religion, when it comes back, coming back to your husband and your relationship with him, I feel like when we do look for a spouse, we look for somebody that is Muslim at the very least. And when they're Muslim, we look for the fact that, hey, does he pray and does he fast? But we don't think about when you do get married. Now you're both living under one roof. You guys might be on a different spiritual level than one another. And sometimes that can cause a little bit of turmoil in the household. You might be a little bit more religious than he and vice versa. Did you guys ever face that? Absolutely. For sure. When we first got married, like I said earlier, that we would fight a lot. (laughs) We really fought a lot. Uh, Like he would go out with his friends and a few times come back at three or four in the morning. And my dad, I had never seen him out of the house. Like once we're home, like the, the, the alarm goes on, no one comes out, you know what I'm saying? So like 11 o'clock, let's say we're all in bed. <laughs> My husband, for him to have come home at like three or four in the morning, I was in shock. I was like, how dare you disrespect me that way? You know, like it was just unheard of in my home. So uh, we would just like for me, I at the time, I really thought that, you know, even I really thought that his friends were bad influences. But in reality, it might just have been him because from what he was telling me, he would claim that he wouldn't be a follower, like he'd be the ringleader type of thing. So and (laughs) in my mind, and in my mind, I'd see him as such like such a good 
you know, person, like I knew he had a great heart and it just really crushed me. And one thing that I just continued, continued doing is praying. And I swear to God, God, a couple years later, God just answered my prayers. You know, he just, of course, that wake up call was the answer to my prayers. I was pregnant with my son, maybe three months away from giving birth. We had uh, gone to Turkey for our baby moon. I hadn't announced it to my social media yet that I was pregnant, but uh, I was six months and we had gone to Turkey and my brother was there with his friends, my mom, my sister, we were like all there. It was a really fun trip. And we were sleeping one night. He was with the guys in the living area, sleeping over there. And he had a dream that he was, it must've been hellfire because there was like a whole bunch of sinks. His mouth was so dry and he was trying to claim a sink. Like everybody was trying to claim a sink and they were praying for like water to come out because everybody was so thirsty. And some people knocked him off his sink. There was no water, obviously. So he just felt like it was, he felt like it was a glimpse of hellfire and it scared him like crazy. And he literally woke up like grabbing a, I remember he woke up, uh, got a box of Pringles and started eating him just to make sure he was like still alive and like to make sure it was real. Like that's how shook up he got. SubhanAllah. From that moment, he literally like, I went out to go shopping that day and I was like, you want to come with me? And he's like, no, no. And he literally spent the whole day just reading the Quran. He picked up a translated version, which I don't think he had ever done uh, in English. And he started reading in English and his mind just... Wow. He was like, wow, I can't believe all this that I've been missing out on. Spun on. It's crazy. Because I think it's different when you read, read the Quran in Arabic. Because honestly, like, yeah, I speak Arabic. Zena, you do too. But when I read the Quran, it's kind of hard to understand, honestly. And this is our native tongue. But when I do read it in the transition, like the translation, it's so beautiful. Especially when you get the really good translations where it's not like art thou and, you know, like, yeah. the yes, yes, yes. Where you can actually understand. Where you understand it. SubhanAllah, you realize, like, wow, this book is like, this is the book of truth. It really is. So he sat there all day reading it for the first time, reading a translated version. SubhanAllah, from one dream. Yeah, and SubhanAllah, I feel like people like that, like mashallah, are so lucky that they even get that wake-up call before it's too late. Like, you know, you get that wake-up call and it's like, okay, I got to start changing my ways now. And I think that's, alhamdulillah, that's so lucky to get. He's very lucky. You know, mashallah, like something he'll see online from a lecture or something and he'll learn that uh, I don't know exactly the the names of who it was but um, like every time he does wudu he'll make two rakats he'll do two rakats and um, like he'll just do all his sunnah he'll do all these extra things that like he never did before we never did interest prior um, but any little thing that he could have tweaked he tweaked do you know what I'm saying and yeah. he's still in a process of like trying to be just like a really good Muslim and like he's still chill and he's still fun but he's still trying he just wants to you know please Allah and you know and he you know he's helped me complete my prayers um just be more humble honestly like he always tries to take credit for that but I really do give it to him so I appreciate that that he's done and honestly like he's just helped me and he's helped me in a lot of ways and we've helped each other Subhanallah, I just feel like, I feel like it's, yeah, Allah loves you guys so much that he's allowed you to pray for your own husband because that's how much you loved him. Because you could have said like, I'm sorry, I'm not down with you going out all the time. This is the second time we're leaving each other and this is, that's it. But no, you loved him to the point where you're like, I'm going to pray for him. And there is power behind prayer. And I don't want people to ever just like dismiss prayer and all that stuff because it really does work and dua and everything. It's prescribed. Absolutely. Yeah. It's prescribed for us. So for Allah to bring him back and Allah can honestly bring back whoever he wants to the right path, to be honest. Yeah, because at the core of every marriage is religion. That's what kind of bounds you guys together. That's what brought you together in the first place, I think. And at the end of the day, religion 
is the only thing that is that necessary, you know, because you have cultures, tons of different cultures around the world. And what brings us all together is religion and people lots of times confuse culture and religion. And if they truly look into Islam and how it is, they'd be ashamed at half the things that they do themselves when it comes to even uh, allowing their child to marry a person of a different culture, which I've seen a couple times happen. And they'd have lots of issues. And it would be a very sad situation to not get a blessing because this person's not from the same village where you're from. It is a blessing to have your kids get married and do it for the sake of Allah. And for you to be the one that stops that blessing, I just don't know how Allah is ever going to or how he deals with those type of people because it's truly sad. And I've seen that happen all the time. And I think it's just the racism that's very prominent within our community. So not only are we looking at colorism, we also look at the culture and where they're coming from. And I feel like sometimes we operate from like the pre-profit days because our own prophet was marrying different cultures. It wasn't like, oh, she had to be from my clan, from this and that. Like our own prophet wasn't like this so if we're supposedly trying to follow his footsteps why are we doing the complete opposite of that i just don't understand that absolutely honestly i think like if you're going to look for a partner look for somebody um as a parent you want to look for somebody who number one is a great muslim who's a practicing muslim who is going to guide your child or guide your spouse you know guide your partner your partner is going to guide you towards the right path and who's respectful with others and um what is culture? Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, we're all going to go back to the ground. But as long as we have Islam, culture is a man-made thing. It's not something that we were, you know, it's not something that was given to us from Allah. It's man-made. But unfortunately, prejudice in our community does exist. Yeah, and was that something that you experienced when you told your friends, like, "Hey, I'm marrying an Egyptian," or told your family members maybe back home in Egypt? I mean, in in Turkey, was that something that you experienced or that you had to go through? Um, no, no. Just, I mean, since I was the first one marrying like an Arab, you know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, my brother um, ended up. He had married a Venezuelan girl, so uh, unfortunately, they're divorced now. But um, you know, still, like we, it's not a matter of like where they're from. So, um, just you know, again, everything goes back down to religion, and if you don't have that as a core then your marriage will not be successful if you're so concerned about culture. Because I know some people that are like an American and an Egyptian or a Palestinian and an Egyptian. And alhamdulillah, like now things are great. But in the beginning, like there was just lots of issues. And it's uh, it's sad to not be able to welcome a convert to your home just because they weren't born Muslim or born Arab or uh, from wherever you're from. And it's just they might be the better option than if they were to have married an Arab. I told my husband, if you wanted to marry an Egyptian woman, go ahead, you know, like, go for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if anything, like, say, alhamdulillah, like, you're very blessed that you were able to get a woman who's, like, multicultural, who is not so controlling with, like, how to do things. You know, we're both very just chill, understanding people, and that's why I'm just so blessed that I, you know, I'm married to Ziad because he's also very understanding and he's not controlling at all, alhamdulillah, and... um I think a lot of guys and girls need to check themselves so that we can, you know, grow as couples as, as a Muslim community. Yeah. 
because I mean, here we want people to convert to our religion. We're trying to showcase how beautiful our religion is. And then it's like, okay, and then what? Now they're converted. And then what? You don't want them marrying your sons or your daughters. So what's the point of them converting if you're not truly fully accepting them, welcoming them into our community, honestly. So, and I feel like Islam at the core is just, it's all about justice. It's all about peace. Mm -hmm. So there's absolutely no room for racism. So I don't know why it's still prominent. Why? And I I say this from experience because I know I see this, that, just even as a Palestinian, just I'm talking about my own personal family. Like, yeah, it's like, oh no, you're going to marry outside of Palestine. Like I've had a cousin (laughs) who married somebody from Iraq and she got so much help for it. And he ended up being such a great guy. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? To this Mm -hmm. day, you still hear certain remarks made about their relationship because he's from a different country. And that's not right because they raise beautiful children. So I'm glad that your family is very open-minded and I truly hope to see more families like yours that are open-minded. Inshallah. And I think our generation is different. Like Zena, I you think our total- generation. Yeah, I would yeah. totally be okay with, I don't care who you marry, as long as he's Muslim, as long as he prays, then I'm good. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's also sad because we deal with so much racism and prejudice from outside communities. The fact that we're doing it within our own Muslim community is like sad. so much sadder. <laughs> it's so sad. When is our culture yeah. highlighted, Yasmin, anyways? It's more so like in weddings and stuff like yeah. that, that you see the differences, right? In between how it's we just celebrate. just for celebrations, yeah. It's just celebrations and like, um, like again, my husband's not cultural at all, but, and I'm not too cultural myself, so I'm not sure what other people do really, but like for us, we're just very basic you created <laughs> your own tradition our own traditions absolutely i think that's yeah we're moving into that that direction alhamdulillah and i think but when it comes to our parents because alhamdulillah inshallah Allah gives them the health and a long life and they're going to be around and their ideas and thoughts are still going to be around but i think it's good to just have them sit with an imam or sheikh because no matter what he will the sheikh will be on your side because this is in the quran where you can't say no to somebody so that's maybe the first step for whoever's listening to this and they are dealing with this issue just to go and have a, a sit down with the sheikh and your parents so maybe he can help like your parents better understand the situation instead of you and just some saying, parents are just so close-minded that they don't even want to hear it. and even if they hear it from a sheikh or whatever they just they'll still be blocked. So at the end of the day, I think what you have to do is just pray to Allah because who else is going to help you except Allah? Do istikhara. That's what we did. Honestly, I was so scared to do istikhara because like if God told me that he wasn't the right one, I'd have no other choice but to stop because if you don't follow what Allah like tells you to do, then you're going to end up most likely in a divorce. Honestly, like, and that's, and that's from a, a previous story that has been told to me. Just listen to Allah. Allah knows what's best for you and won't lead you towards the wrong path. You know, if you seek his advice. I know it's like we fear the God of, but at the same time you want Allah's guidance. So it's like, just do it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, just I know. Just do it because you're going to save yourself so much hell. I do not prescribe. Divorce is not fun. It's totally not. So just try to do your best to navigate marriage in the right way, in the right Absolutely. manner. And speak to God. I love that you are saying, look, everything just comes back to Allah. And that's so true. Even marriage, marriage is the number one thing. Everything comes back to Allah. Yeah. You know, so you guys got through the whole, you know, staying out late. Turbulence. You, guys, <laughs> you got through that. <laughs> when did the talk of kids come into the mix? Uh, okay. So for the first year of my marriage, um, I was on birth control and it just really messed with me. Like I just, I wasn't happy on it. And uh, there was a point where I just said, I'm going to get off of it. And it was a, literally a year after marriage. So I got off of it and um, I just completely changed. My body changed. Everything changed. Like I was normal. <laughs> uh, minus the fact that I, I never got, I didn't get, I didn't menstruate every month. 
that was normal because I, I had PCOS. So can we talk about PCOS? Because a lot of women in our DMs have shared that they have PCOS. And I feel like I'm still a little ignorant to what it is. So if you can like, give us an insight on what it is. So uh, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Again, I'm not an expert, but uh, just from my experience, um, you have like little tiny hair follicle, hair follicle cysts or whatever on your ovaries, uh, which I guess makes it harder to ovulate and to get your period in turn. Um, and also a lot of women gain weight with it. A lot of women get facial hair. Again, every level is different, but I'm like, I, at that time, I was very into fitness and uh, eating healthy and being healthy. So that helped out in the sense, you know, I wasn't overweight or anything like that. But when it came time to uh, wanting to get pregnant, um, like every time I would take a pregnancy test, it would be negative. And I was just so sad, you know, like every time you take a test, you were so excited for it to be positive, but it ends up being negative. So um, I knew a whole bunch of women who would do like the IVF, I think. Is that? Yeah, IVF. Uh, yeah, they would do IVF or do any other procedure where they had to go into the doctor. And um, I just really didn't want that. And I just kept praying to Allah, like, please, God, just, you know, help me get pregnant naturally. So I started doing some research on natural ways to help me ovulate. Because I wasn't getting my period every month, I wanted to find a more natural way to ovulate. Um, so I started doing my research and I came upon, uh, something called chasberry or also known as Vitex. And it's just a natural herb or natural berry or something that they sell online. And I just bought it. I started taking it and a month later I got my period. So a couple months later, I found out I was pregnant. The first sign, subhanAllah, the first sign I had was like my you know, my breasts were just so painful, you know, like one of my friends would give me a hug and I'd be like in dying pain, like, oh God, get away from me, you know? And, um, of course, I mean, I can tell you all the <laughs> signs of, yeah, pregnancy. <laughs> some of the signs of pregnancy, you know? Alhamdulillah, that's amazing. I'm so happy that it happened for you. Um, going back to PCOS, was this something that you always knew you had or did you find out after marriage? So growing up, I knew I had PCOS because obviously my mom would take me to the gynecologist and, you know, we'd have to take birth control before getting married just because we wanted to, my mom wanted us to make sure we had our period every month. So, you know, going into marriage, yeah, I knew I had PCOS, but I had no idea the effects that it would have had on our marriage in terms of reproducing. Like, you know, a lot of women go into marriage and they might find out that they have PCOS after, or they might know that they have it prior, but they would never put the two together, you know, that you wouldn't be able to get pregnant. So uh, to all the women who have PCOS, honestly, I'd say just eat healthy, you know, so that you don't become overweight. So that's not a reason that you're not getting pregnant or um, make sure you, I, I tell every woman that asked me, look into Vitex, uh, Chasberry, it's a natural way to help your body ovulate if that's the issue. And uh, just do a lot of prayer and, and inshallah, Allah will bless you. Prayers. If God didn't want to bless us with children, like we wouldn't have had any children. And there was a point we had our two cats and we were just like, you know, if Allah doesn't want to give us children, like at least we have our cats and we were okay with that. How was that conversation with your husband? Like the fact that maybe you guys can't have kids, like how did you guys navigate that conversation? Uh, I mean, Alhamdulillah, like thank I'm very thankful that my husband was, he was happy with our two cats. And he said, you know, like, I'm not going to leave you if 
you can't have children. And, you know, at least we have our two cats. And that was more than enough for us. You know, we would always work out together. We had a life together. So Alhamdulillah, I'm very thankful that he wasn't, you know, one of those men that are like, if you can't have babies one now, then get out of my house. Else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Alhamdulillah, he's not a selfish person like that. So, um, so Alhamdulillah, we never had that issue. But yeah, we, we, we would have been okay that if we just had to have cats. <laughs> we'd get more cats. <laughs> so basically for PCOS, it's not really, is it, it's treatable, but not curable then? Uh, I don't think it's curable, um, but there are ways, uh, again, if you want to go through a doctor, you can, if you have the money for it, it was just, you know, a little too expensive. And I just wanted to, I really just wanted to find a natural way of doing it and look into a whole bunch of herbs. There are definitely a whole bunch of herbs out there in the market that you can do research that have different benefits. Vitex is what worked for me. You know, I took Vitex and I took folic acid and my prenatal pills just to get my body ready, you know? <laughs> and I love that you didn't like just give up because like I feel like going through a situation like this would be kind of like a downer on your mental health. It would kind of put you through, it could actually bring you down and put you in a state where like this is just what it is. And it can really affect exactly. your chances of getting pregnant, exactly. you know, because when your body's anxious or your body has lots of stress on it, like all those things affect your ovulation and affect your hormones and affect all that stuff. So even when I did get pregnant, like it's, you know, one thing that my husband and I said was that, you know, I have to make sure I'm like in a happy mood. I have to make sure I'm calm. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of women, unfortunately, that get emotionally abused and or physically abused. I, I know my friend Lisa, she's a she's a domestic violence survivor. Yeah. But uh, just, you know, try to be in the most positive mindset that you can have even through all the back pains and leg pains and you know just say alhamdulillah god blessed us with children um so just be strong <laughs> yeah. and shout out to lisa for being an advocate for domestic violence because a lot of women just stay silent after um struggling through something like that so kudos to her because i really really she's amazing yeah i look up to her because michelle she's very strong when it comes to this issue and how she stands up for other women and she's really making sure her voice is heard because this is an epidemic that does go around and across all cultures all faiths so we definitely have to talk more about about it and then when it comes to also like you chose the healthy route but then there's other people that do choose IVF so it's like kudos to all these women that do not give up and that do go through whatever route they can to have a kid and inshallah like it ends up being successful whatever route they choose inshallah. and to these men to the men too who Absolutely. stick around and who don't stress their wife out for not getting pregnant when they want because they're not in control. Yeah, it's Allah who's in control. Don't make them feel bad because it's sometimes it's a two way street. Like it's not just the girl. That's it's the, that's the problem. It's both. And so then, the girl has to be supportive of her exactly, husband if her yeah. husband can't have kids. Because there's exactly. the, there's a lot of that in our culture in our you know in our community too. But it's it's very very tough. So I commend you for being able to stick through. And alhamdulillah that you guys are both supportive of each other, you and your spouse. I feel like sometimes we don't realize that things happen for a reason, and it's Allah's way of planning. And even though we can sit there and plan things and talk to our husbands about it, it's not going to happen unless Allah wants it to happen. Um, so in your case, do you think it was a blessing that you had your children later in life and you didn't have them right when you got married or a year into the marriage? Absolutely. You know, uh, one thing that people say is having children is not going to make your marriage any better. So I'm thankful that we had the time to strengthen our marriage in our first three years of marriage before we had our children. And I'm very thankful that Allah gave my husband that wake up call <laughs> literally right before my son, three months before my son was born. Like those are all blessings in disguise. And I'm just so thankful that Allah blessed us with children. And um, 
So in reference to your question, yes, I'm very thankful that Allah blessed us when I was 27. Like when I was, let's say when I was 20, I'd say, oh, by the time I'm done with college, I'd have at least one child married with one child. <laughs> what a joke I was, right? Like, I'm so thankful that Allah blessed me when I was 27. I was more, uh, I had already finished my selfish phase, all about me, 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 you know, like I had been Yaz's Faz, all that stuff. And, you know, finally I have my children and like, it's not about me anymore. You know, it's just about them. And um, I'm at, and I'm just so thankful that Allah, you know, Allah is the best of timers and we have to truly know that and believe it. Mashallah, they're so beautiful. They're so, so beautiful, honestly. How are you going to go about like raising them in such a diverse like household? Because again, like you're Cuban, Turkish, then you have your husband who's Egyptian. How are you going to teach them all of these different cultures and traditions? I don't think it's anything specific. Just for example, with the Egyptian Arabic culture, just making sure that he's around his uh, my husband's family, our family, and making sure he knows Arabic and he knows they both like, honestly, my children know both Arabic and English beautifully, mashallah. And um, in terms of Spanish, I'm trying to teach him Spanish, but in terms of culturally, you know, like I'll give him some Cuban food, platanos, some, nice. you know, black beans and, you know, stuff like that. And also like, I just love Spanish music. So you know, Zumba, like a little. Totally dance. forgot about the music. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, you know, there's some people who you know agree with music or not, but you know, for us when we're in the house, like we'll just put some music on and just dance, and we love it. You know, like my kids are such huge dancers; it's crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> and then for the Turkish, I think the best thing is just you know, like going to Turkey and experiencing life, since we have a an apartment there in Uskudar. Like we're blessed that we can go whenever we want. So um, excited for summers to come. Mashallah, they do say that kids that grow up in hybrid households end up being so, so smart and so bright. And I think you probably already see that in both of your kids already. Absolutely. Alhamdulillah. Like people look at my three-year-old son and they're like, gosh, he looks, he looks and acts like a five-year-old. Mashallah. <laughs> he is. Mashallah. He's tall. Yeah. yeah. So let's segue into your OG days when we we used to see your videos all on YouTube and you're probably one of the very first few who used to do the hijab tutorials. What made you get on YouTube and, you know, put together these tutorials? So when I started wearing hijab, I wore it to the back like a bandana. After that, I started wearing it to the front like uh, the Turkish style where you'd put a pin here. And I would come back after a whole day in school, in high school, and have this huge mark on my chin, under my chin, and it would be so painful. I'd be like, if I'm going to be wearing hijab for the rest of my life, I'm not going to be miserable. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, so that's when I started exploring and going in front of the mirror and trying out different styles, stuff that just draped over my neck, but didn't have to necessarily have a pin there. So that's when I started doing all these different styles, and uh, I would go to the masjid, and all these women would stop me. Oh, my God, how do you do this style? Because back then, basic style was just what was in, right? Uh, I would take off my hijab and I would show them, honestly, step by step how I did it. And it got to a point where so many women were asking me everywhere I went that I just figured, you know what, let me just make a YouTube video. And I was in front of my computer. All my girlfriends were around me. And I was like, what am I doing, guys? Like, do you guys want to do voiceover for me? Like, I've never made a YouTube video. <laughs> I know, this is 2009, guys. This is not today. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was like, oh, my gosh. I Every time I watch that video, it's hilarious because I know exactly. The behind the scenes. How, how it was <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah. So. Uh, and I was like, you know, forget it. Like my friend tried, I think my friend Iman tried to do voiceover. And I'm like, no, forget it. You're not doing a good job. <laughs> <Forget> <laughs> I'm doing it myself. Yeah. So 
I just ended up doing the quick video by myself. And, um, and the response was insane. I just shared it with like my friends on Facebook and I guess they shared it with their friends and they were, and then I got so many comments saying that they want more. So I'm like, okay. So I just made another video and it was the demand. And it's not that I ever, ever, ever envisioned becoming big on YouTube. So again, everything that has come my way has been a blessing from Allah because I wanted to help women. And my goal wasn't to be famous. My goal was, and my goal continues is to just help others. I think that's why Allah has allowed me to be successful. And I've never been one to care so much about the numbers, you know, like as long as I'm staying true to who I am, that's what that's what makes me satisfied in whatever I do on, online. But these numbers truly prove that people do care about what you have to say and you have helped them and you do benefit them in some way to want to follow you nowadays because back then YouTube was different than Absolutely, how Instagram yeah. is. And you said like the demand was there and I believe it was because like I said before, you were one of the first to do this. So like obviously the demand was there because no, they weren't getting it from anywhere else. But through the years, like... Dressing modestly has become like the new style. How do you feel that's kind of changed when you first started YouTube and Instagram and how it is now? Is it just like a trend that people are hopping on? Or do you truly believe that dressing modest is something that people are just adapting to nowadays? I think people dressed modestly in terms of like the Muslim community. I think they're just becoming more fashionable at it. And again, there's different levels of you know, how much you want to cover and how much modesty you want to show or not show. Um, but I think it's definitely changed so much. And it's, it's beautiful to see how it's grown. It's beautiful to see how it's expanded. And I, I appreciate that people are recognizing it more, even if it's not as perfect as it should be, you know. But how do you feel about like now that hijab is being normalized and you get to go into Macy's and see the amazing Verona brand? Like how exciting is that to be a hijabi coming from the 2009 days? Not, I mean, you were before then, but coming from those days where you're trying to do these tutorials on YouTube, but now you have a huge department stores like Macy's representing us and they're doing it the right way because again, they have Lisa, your friend on there. She's the creative director of her own line. And it's just beautiful to see that now walking to stores. So what is your thought on that? Just such a drastic difference between the 10 years that have just passed. Oh, it's, it's huge. It's a huge, I mean, huge change. Back then you'd go shopping and you'd be like, oh gosh, how many layers do I have to put just to cover it all up? Whereas, whereas now I'm like, if I can find a one piece, I'm so thankful because I hate layering, especially here in Florida. And uh, I think it's amazing, honestly, what Lisa's doing, what, you know, a whole bunch of companies that are coming out there even on just online stores, it's just, just being more readily available has been such a, a help to all us uh, people who just want to dress more modestly. It's definitely been a, a positive, positive change. So I'm very thankful for those positive changes, you know, and you want to support people who bring modest clothing to the market because it's making it a lot easier for us to uh, find these products. So I'm very thankful to all these companies and businesses who have just popped up, you know, throughout the years. And I also believe it's encouraging women to wear the hijab in the first place and to put it on because they realize that it's not going to be tough to find clothes that they, they know they're going to look good in and fashionable in, but also be modest in. So I feel like it's also pushing them in the right direction. And then there is like different um, layers and levels to it because there's people who wear the hijab full on. And then there's people who choose to wear the turban, but they don't want to consider a hijab. And then there are some that right. do consider turbans being hijab. But though I'm talking about the ones that don't consider it to be hijab, but they say I'm more, I'm dressed more modestly. So it's like everybody is, 
finding their own way well, to us. represent their religion. Yeah, we don't wear the, the hijab, but I don't anyway, wear. But yeah. we wear modest clothing, and it's nice to go to a, go to a mall and find a dress that I don't have to like either pay hundreds of dollars to alter or have to wear def- separate sleeves yes, for. It. I mean, yeah. you you probably hated it having to find sleeves mm-hmm. for the dress. Yeah, my gosh, the amount the amount of long sleeves <laughs> long sleeves I have. Absolutely. <laughs> So before we let you go, what piece of advice would you like to leave our listeners? Any girl that's probably going through just, yeah, dealing with an intercultural relationship. Her parents might not be supportive of it. Women who just are struggling day to day within certain things, like even just marriage in general is a struggle. Honestly, it's not perfect. So do you have any like advice you want to leave them with? So, um, well, in terms of uh, marriage, just again, make sure that you seek Allah's help. Make sure that you are sincere. Allah knows your true intentions. Make sure you're sincere that you want to get married. Make sure that your intentions are that you truly want to find the right one and Allah will, you know, put that person in your path. And in terms of, you know, modesty and in terms of, you know, being a proud Muslimah, you know, just be cautious of your actions, treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, Modesty, like I say, starts from within. If your actions aren't modest, and if you aren't uh, a good person yourself, like what's wearing the hijab going to do? You know, so uh, I truly believe that you as a person need to work on yourself before you, before you, I'm not going to say before you cover up, because even if you cover up, all those little steps are positive steps that will please Allah. So it's all as long as we're progressing and getting closer to our goal of becoming a better person, a better Muslim, at the end of the day, that's what's that's what's most important. I definitely agree with I that. I like that point a lot. And so before we leave you, um, where can our listeners find you on social media? They can find me by searching Yaz the Spaz 89, Y-A-Z-T-H-E-S-P-A-Z 89 on any social media platform. And uh, you should find me or you can check out my website, www yazthespaz.com I have a whole bunch of information I don't do blogging I used to do blogging a long time ago so right now it's mostly just YouTube videos and Instagram but you have all my you know like I've done hijab tutorial I've done hijab styling makeup uh, public, all my publications <laughs> everything is on my website for that yeah awesome Absolutely. perfect thank you so much for talking to us today we know thank you uh, so much for having me no, of course we appreciate <laughs> it you were yeah you're such a pleasure to interview your kids are Michelle cute so we definitely lo- love those little interruptions <laughs> with them it so it's just oh so natural it's yes, just yes a real day in the life of a real mom who's genuine and Absolutely. everything thank you so thank much you girl so we can't wait you. to see more of you Take care. thank you so much Welcome back to our unfiltered afterthoughts. I love how honest she is. Like she's just so honest and open and even about like her her husband being on different spiritual levels and his journey through finding, you know, Islam in his way. She was just very open and honest about everything. She was very real because that's the thing. We we want a guy that is Muslim and that prays. Okay, you check those two boxes out, but now when you're married, there's still levels and layers to our spiritual, I guess, spiritual path, spiritual journey, way, yeah. journey. Yes. And I also love that she was honest about her like infertility struggle and the fact that she went through years of trying to have a kid and she didn't like sugarcoat anything. Mm-mm. And you know what? We've had a guest who talked about IVF and now we have a guest talking about the natural way. And either way, it's whatever you choose and whatever's right for your body. But it's interesting that both of our guests did not want to give up and they wanted to, you know, keep going and making sure that, hey, let's just give this another try. And, and we don't think yeah, about that when no, we get married. Like no. the struggle of having kids, you think it's like, oh, let's wait a year. 
enjoy ourselves, and then we'll think about exactly. having kids. And I think a lot of what helped both of our guests kind of navigate finding the right path for them is that they were very connected to their religion, and they had like a very heightened sense of like, this is what I, I know that Allah has a plan for me. I just have to like trust it. It, it is all about, I feel like we live in a world where like we're trying to dismiss prayers and all that, but really at the core of life is our religion and the core of life is Islam and our God and everything. I mean, that's what the whole purpose of us living in this world. It's a test. And if you're not going to ask Allah for guidance, then where are you going in life? Exactly. Like I what just, path yeah. are you on? And she's so chill and so just like goes with the flow. And I think that's what also helped her. Don't give up if there is something that you're going through and it's not going the way that you want it to go to go through. But also praise the God, all you guys. It's very scary, but it's very very calming and I've it done is, it yeah. I've done it so many times before in my life and I'm telling you guys like sometimes the answer doesn't come right away but or you don't get that dream right away but I've never felt a calmness the way I felt after I do a staccato but also it's like sometimes we don't want to hear the reality of it so I think a lot of times like we push off a praying slot of istikhara because it's like I don't want to know. You like, know what? It's like reality's too real, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, because that's what reality means. I know, but you know what I mean? Like, we don't want to face reality. It's but too real. It's too much. You're so right. Because I once made a post. I'm like, okay, I think this is a sign. But if God can give me a sign to say that this is the sign that I was asking for. Because sometimes life is confusing. I'm like, wait, is this a sign? Sometimes when you question a sign, it's because that's a sign that you didn't want. But it's the sign yeah. that you needed. And we just don't want to, like I said, face reality. Like, we know that something might not be good for us we know like getting into a relationship might not be good or the fact that like we didn't get the job that we wanted in the long run is good for us it's like we don't want to hear that we just want to hear what we think we want to hear at the moment and back to marriage you guys it's very very serious so you definitely need to overlook all this culture stuff and what what you guys do on the wedding day and what the traditions are because at the core of every relationship that's a healthy relationship is the foundation which is islam and your religion and your faith and i think that's really important and if he doesn't know how to speak arabic or whatever language you speak it's called rosetta stone <laughs> you can just buy it because it, that shouldn't stop you honestly Absolutely if it's the not. person that's for you and he or she is really really good to you halas that's all I that mean, matters exactly that's all that matters yeah so i hope you guys enjoy this episode as always please make sure you guys are subscribed make sure you guys always come back and visit us every wednesday because we always have a new episode every wednesday and if you can give us a review that would be greatly appreciated five stars would be awesome of course Zaino's gonna say that <laughs> and yeah make sure you guys follow our guests he has a spaz i love her i love all the little the, the glimpses that she gives us um into her life and everything so and it is unfiltered and unsweet and like her youtube videos are just like very straight very blunt and that's what i love about her absolutely so see you guys next week bye